Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Caraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? Amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's M Amazing Radio. I am your host, Dr. Law. With me, as always, DJ Mark. Sup? Also with me, Lavender Gooms. Hello. And finally, a man tired because it's two bulldogs and one of the bulldogs is shitting all over the place. Kid Presentable. Uh, for those who don't know, I came home to my little puppy bulldog, left me uh, four poop piles. Four poop piles. Force. How can a seven-pound creature have so much poop inside him? Now, is it like uh, is it like human baby poop, where none of it is solid? Oh no, it's all solid. It's nice little uh, Twinkie-esque strips, um, but you know they're easily picked up with uh, some toilet paper. But you know you just gotta make sure you find them all. Stefan, it's not pudding. It's not. These are not like pudding piles that you're getting. Being man, with. Stefan got Stefan's got hardwood. Like whatever. Motherfucker can deal. <laughs> it doesn't matter what kind of floor you have. You don't want to deal with liquid shit. It really doesn't matter. Oh, matter the cleanup process. If you have carpet, it's taken with the cleanup process is way longer. I'm not I'm saying it's easy, but I'm just saying nobody wants that. It's not. It's easier. It's not fun. It could be worse. Is all I'm saying. Sure. Um, I'm back this week, guys. Wasn't here last week. Shout out to the boys for keeping the train going uh, while I was gone. Special thank you to Lavender Gooms who hosted and recorded this thing. And did it all fucking flawlessly, quite frankly. Um, better than I ever could, quite frankly. Fix something that I couldn't even fix. Don't know how you did it, Mike. My, you know what I'm talking about, the stupid file size thing, but good job. Um, this week, gonna talk about my girl Valentina Shevchenko having a boring ass fight. Um, and a co-main event where one man's nose is pointing north, west, south, and east all at once. Um, Gonna talk about the MMA news of the week once we decide there was MMA news this week. Haven't found any yet. Um, then we're gonna preview UFC 241 Diaz versus Pettis. I know it's not the main event, but to me it is. There's this other guy. There's these guys fighting for the heavyweight title too, and some Jack guys fighting as well. But Diaz versus Pettis. Talking about that. Uh, then a little stuff we like, and then uh, everybody gets to eat dinner. Um, first off, Marcus. My girl Valentina decided that uh, Liz Carmouche was not on her level, but felt no need to make any effort to end this fight at any point. Yeah, she, she played a little conservative, and I think when we broke it down last week, we all kind of thought this fight was going to go to decision. Um, Liz is a tough out. Uh, she's only been finished a handful of times and never due to strikes. So, and we've seen Valentina, you know, she is very methodical and skilled at Muay Thai, and she has no real problems hanging out on the outside and picking her shots and winning rounds that way. And that's exactly what she did with Liz. Um, you know, Liz tried, you know, some in and out movements to try to get into the pocket, score points and get out. And she was really unsuccessful. Um, later in the fight, she tried to transition more to a ground game where she's using, um, you know, her uh, jujitsu. But, you know, she was on her back and she really couldn't do much. You know, she tried utilizing a lot of the Eddie Bravo techniques 
um like crackhead control and what's the other one they always go to bobby what's the the basic one? mission control mission control it. that's that's the basic rubber guard startup point for him yeah, yeah but there was really no threat there you know liz was she did a good job on the bottom controlling and making sure valentino couldn't advance um and couldn't really do a lot of damage but she didn't really threaten with any submission she didn't threaten her on the feet and, and Valentino was more than happy to score points here and there and, you know, win the rounds. And that's what she did. And, I mean, ultimately, at the end of the day, we were left with a lackluster performance. Um, you know, it's nothing to write home about. And I think it looks even worse given her last fight against Jessica I, where she was very aggressive. Jessica I was also very aggressive. They had a fantastic fight where Valentino, you know, won by spectacular head kick knockout. I think those type of performances are always hard to follow up. Um, but even given that, this was a lackluster performance. You know, um, Liz didn't really bring much to the dance, and Valentino didn't take this opportunity to really put a beating on Liz or to really showcase her style. She she knew Liz was a tough out who she'd lost to before, and you know, did the things she needed to do to get the W. Might not have gained a lot of new fans though. Yeah, Marcus. Um, I got the impression about halfway through the fight that Liz probably needed to take some risks here, and um. Because there's no way she could think she was winning any of those rounds, or her team could think she was winning any of those rounds. Um, she just didn't seem willing to, like... I mean, maybe I don't know what she was going to do, quite frankly, but she needed to take some risks, because Valentina certainly wasn't going to be the one to take any. Um, Steph, um, Valentina's just going to hold this belt for as long as she wants, right? I mean, do you see anybody coming up that could touch her in this weight class? No, um... I was questionable about this division, right? You know, like everyone loves a new division, more belts, you know, women don't got to kill themselves to hit weights. Is the division warranted? I wasn't sure this one was. I don't know what populates it. We need someone to come down the line. It's kind of what flyweight looked like for a couple of years there. Mm -hmm. um, you need talent to get there. You need fighters to mature in it. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's impossible to predict anyone who could actually take down Valentina at this point. Well, Steph, let me posit this, because um, the other women's division that's got no purpose, especially now, is 145. I'd say with this one, at least, we know that there's at least bodies that, in theory, it will grow, right? It's just a matter of we have to wonder when that day is going to come where there is actually a talent pool. I mean, absolutely. Like, more women fit into this category of weight than did the uh the former that you mentioned i mean even when we had 145 fights it really was never a division it was just the cyborg showcase thing and once we kind of you know got her value and she lost her luster there was nothing left to do and there isn't anything left to do because our champion of this division is also the champion of 135 and that's that's our true home um there's nothing really to be done with 145 i'm not saying it never will happen it's just it certainly isn't there right now um, um, Mike, Jessica Andrade wants a crack at Valentina. Um, this isn't a question of whether it's a good idea on Valentina's side because she has nobody to fight. Of course it is. Has Jessica Andrade done enough for us to hold up that other division that actually has a bunch of contenders? I mean, she's got a fight with, uh, Wei Zhang coming up, so I'm assuming she wins that one, but... We got Tatiana Suarez out there. We got Joanna Champion who beat her out there. What do you think? Do you think after this fight against uh, Weili Zhang, if Andraj uh, gets out of it, we see that, you know, champion versus champion matchup? So as uh, 
Mistake Free as a podcast went last week. I heard the first five seconds of your question and the last two seconds. Okay. I'm saying uh, Jessica Andrade wants to fight her. Wants to fight Valentina. But has has she done enough on her end to justify this kind of matchup? Because Valentina's already out of people to fight. Wait, you mean Jessica? Yeah. She hasn't. She's got one. Does she have any title defenses, actually? Uh... Does anybody remember? No, she actually... no. She she just beat Rose and and that was it. She um, defended. She defended. She didn't defend that. But anyway, well, there's enough. Con- I'm saying basically this division's full of contenders. What do you think? Yeah, I would I would caution against it just because the 125 division is still so so new that you would rather let them let that division try to mature naturally than just try to gin up interest in it by making a champion versus champion fight. Because the only thing you do if Andrade does go up to 125 and beats Shevchenko is that you're almost in the same situation that you're in with Nunez and the 135 and 145 belt, where now you have two of the weight divisions that are just weren't that deep to begin with, and now their champion has just been, you know, beaten them. What's really left for their for them to do at those particular divisions? So I think Andrade has a lot of a uh, lot of contenders at 115 that she can fight, and at least for now, for the next year or so, maybe year and a half, just just give Shevchenko whatever scraps are at 125. Eventually, the division will um, produce something. Will it will produce talent? Because unlike 145, where how many women actually weigh 140, you know, weigh 145 pounds are and are fighting. 125 is a bit of that sweet spot where right now all it all it is is really just a couple of women that didn't do maybe too well at 135 they're coming down but 125 it, it's it's a weight class where you can see that, that there's a lot of talented women who will grow into that particular weight class and maybe offer a challenge in a bit of time man i really wish because i the number one the number one contender right now is probably caitlin chukasian Who's a you know she's a good enough she's a decent enough fighter but she's if JoJo Calderwood had to beat her in that last fight I would have been pretty excited to watch JoJo versus uh, Valentina strike I think that would have been a fun matchup or they would have stared at each other one or the other um, co-main event Vincente Luque Mike Perry beat the holy fuck out of each other it's a technical term right there Mike Perry's nose was smashed to bits had the plastic surgery that thing back together Platinum Perry. And Luke showing a ton of respect for each other afterwards. Type of shit I really enjoy, quite frankly, after two guys go to war like that. Um, putting the fight aside, uh, Vincente Luque is somebody we got to start taking seriously, Mike. Right? I mean, this guy, I had it up a second ago, but he has, uh, was he like 10 and 2 in the UFC? Something like that? Um,. Mike Perry's not a bad guy to jump off of and to get a jumping off point into some tougher contenders, but six wins at 170 in a row. Last one, loss, loss being a decision loss to Leon Edwards. We we might have somebody here, huh? <laughs> Mike, asking you. Yeah, sorry about that. I was uh, still muted. Mm. No, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, he's only has two losses in the UFC. Um, 
One is in his inaugural fight um, at the end of that Ultimate Fighter season, where it was mm. ATT versus the Black Zillions. Uh, mm. Don't even remember who that was against. And uh, Leon Edwards, right before he started going on this six-fight winning streak. And yeah, he's someone that's really underrated. Um, frankly, I thought he was older than he actually is. I didn't know he's just uh, 27 or 28 around there. Mm-hmm. And you know, um, he's starting to be some some pretty good competition. Um, you know, Mike Perry is definitely his biggest uh, feather in his cap. Um, I mean, I think Brian Barberina is n- not a bad uh, not a bad win for him to have, and. You know, he's been a pretty exciting fighter. He's had a, a few performances of the nights in the UFC. His uh, Two of the last three have been fight of the nights as well. So, you know, it's gotten to the point where, you know, when Vicente Luque is on is on a card, you know, it's it's worth watching. I'm actually surprised that they just put him on a fight night and didn't put him on a numbered card. Well, I mean, he was co-main event. That's something for the guy. Um, 27 years old. Mark, you made the point that his um, earlier he, he he didn't come in with the greatest record. Show up at age twenty two seems like a man's really matured actually since getting to the big leagues. Yeah, it's it's not often that you see a young fighter with you know quite frankly you know not a great record and to to lose his debut fight to really come into his own in the UFC against you know the high level of competition that he's faced um, and that is you know just naturally around this organization. Um, and I think the reason why, you know, people are, are maybe underplaying him a little bit is just, you know, you, you guys kind of touched upon it. The scalps he's collected, while a lot of them are impressive just because he's getting so many finishes, there's not a ton of high names. And I agree with Mike. I think Barbarino, um, outside of this Mike Perry victory, was probably the biggest name he's got. And that's a great name to have. But it's not something that just getting a win over Barbarino is going to make you, an, you know, an overnight, you know, sensation or a, a, a fighter that people are really going to recognize. I think this fight really put him on the map, even though I missed it. I'm really upset that I missed this fight because, you know, hearing after the fact just how uh, bloody and action-packed it was. And mostly, like Bobby said, if you see pictures of Mike after Mike Perry after this fight, um, his face was really fucked up. His nose was it was just broken. It was, like, demolished. It was smashed into his face. Um, it was pretty gruesome. They had to bust out the plastic surgeon. I'm serious. That's what yeah, happened. <laughs> and, and, again, you know, we just we, – we've seen this in other fights, but, you know, Mike Perry is a tough guy, you know, especially when it comes to just taking damage – um he can withstand quite a bit and and apparently we got to see that in this fight and even you know in some rounds he was still it wasn't very much just um uh, vicente just giving my perry an ass whooping you know this was a back and forth mike got his shots in too at the end of the fight you can just really tell who won this fight um yeah but this was a great scalp for him to get mike perry is beginning more and more popular and well known and you know even in this losing fight i don't think he lost a ton i think this is kind of one of those fights that elevates both fighters um but mike perry's gonna have to sharpen up some things and we've seen at this point a couple different ways he's gotten bested right he's gotten bested here in the striking he's gotten bested in the grab honestly he can get emotional and that's the thing he gets into these like battles and like he kind of like the game plan whatever it was going in whatever greg jackson told him to do it just turns into the mike perry let's beat the fuck out of each other firefight a lot of times i mean and some fighters are able to kind of harness that energy and you know use it to perform better and sometimes it just completely flusters a guy and they can't perform like they used to i think mike is one of those fighters that's a little bit i mean he he can get a little crazy but i think it works to his benefit more often than it doesn't i think when mike perry isn't performing well it's when he's being too reactionary and he's waiting for counter punches i think he is at his best when he's coming forward and being aggressive but you know this is this is what i'm saying like 
We've seen, I think Mike Perry is continuing to grow and become a better fighter, but we're definitely seeing him and his level not quite reach, you know, the highest echelons. Right? I mean, let's, we're, we're headed towards a guy who's going to have a 10-year UFC career, Clay Guida style, basically. He's going to be around because, honestly, he's found a way to make people interested in every one of his fights. Yeah, he, he, he can't sustain this level of damage, though, and continue yeah. to and, and to think that he's going to stick around this long. I mean, win one, lose one, win one, lose one. The man's got a bit of a pattern here. He showed up. Seven and zero, and now he's thirteen and five. So six and five in the UFC. Yeah, so. no, I mean it's not it's not great, but like I said, he, he's just an action fighter, and you can garner a lot of fans. And I personally am a fan of fighters like Mike Perry that can go out and you know really go after it. But you know, like we've been critical in the past, he has had performances in the past where he hasn't really seemed up for it or game. But I think he's getting better. I think he's he has a better corner around him. I think he's taking to the training and the coaching better um but there's still a lot of room for growth and you know if, if we'll be able to see a much better product than what we're seeing now i'm um, kind of remains to be seen but i'm optimistic because we've seen levels he might have left that camp already uh jackson yeah well that would be a shame uh because yeah. i think they were doing a lot of good work there i don't know who his corner was in this fight i think his, I his, his, it's the platinum princess in the corner. yeah platinum princess is always there man which i mean i i, I like we talked about in the past i think if she's a motivating factor for him that's great I, from what I've heard in the corner, not the great at giving technical advice. And, you know, it could be at, at this point, too, maybe Mike is just not a guy that is very coachable in a fight. He's going to do what he does, maybe. I thought Greg Jackson was making some leaps and bounds with him, making him a more intelligent fighter. But, you know, it, whatever, the camp might not be working out for the guy. I'm not judging lifestyles here. If he's more happy and performs better when his girlfriend's in the corner, hey, more power to the guy. I've been a little critical of some of the coaching that they've received in the past, which I don't think was very beneficial to him. I thought he was getting better. We, we as a whole, as a podcast, I realize we pay attention to what the cornermen are saying. Because if they're not giving real advice, the real question is, why the fuck is that person there? You know, you got that BJ Penn corner, which is like, you got this, BJ. Go get him. And it's like, well, they, that's not helpful. They made the critique in the, in the Valentino fight. I mean, you have fighters at a certain level when they become multi-champions, have over 100 fights on their belt. It's not a lot of training you're going to do with that person. That person is a seasoned veteran. They don't – some of those fighters don't technically need the technical ins and outs as much as a guy like – I think Mike Perry can really benefit from someone, you know, notifying where the shortcomings are coming from. Uh, you know, eloquently and clearly stating these are the things that you're doing wrong. This is why you're getting caught with punches or strikes or takedowns. Um, and you can give all that great advice to a fighter. And it's really up to the fighter to be able to take that information in and be able to reassess how they're fighting the fight. And, and that's very tough. And that's I think some of the only the best fighters in the world can kind of take harsh criticism in between a round and really change up their game plan. A lot of fighters are just going to fight the way they do. They're going to fight on instinct and guts and heart. Um, but I think the, the true greats can really look at how they're performing, self-assess while they're in the octagon, get the feedback from the corner, and really change up the game plan. That's hard for a lot of people to do. So, you know, if Mike isn't that type of fighter, I think he was slowly showing some pieces of that. But, you know, he makes his own decisions. I'm not going to, you know, cash grade the guy over it. Um, all right. Um, there's not a lot of news this week because – Quite frankly, a lot of it's just horse shit. We're not going to talk about it. I was going to ask Mike. I'm going to ask Stefan this question, just his opinion on the matter, because it came out that Jorge Masvidal, the UFC will not be giving Jorge Masvidal a title shot, apparently, or Conor McGregor, which are the two things he asked for. So let me ask you this, Stefan. 
Do we want? Uh, would you prefer? And just your opinion on which one and why? Would you prefer Jorge Masvidal versus Leon Edwards, recipient of the three piece and the soda, or would you prefer Jorge Masvidal versus the winner of a fight we're about to talk about, Anthony Pettis and Nate Diaz? Just your two cents. Is that a welterweight fight? <laughs> that is a welterweight fight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, one of them is much more fun. One of them has heat in the storyline. Uh, yeah, you know, that's the eternal debate. <laughs> it's, it's, I want the fun one because uh, Leon Edwards, he's very good. He's not fun. Um, mm. He controlled the last guy. He used wrestling, and that's why I'm not sold on him. Is like you're a, like one of those well-rounded MMA fighters who has solid wrestling, but you're gonna try to get into a title shot where the kind of three guys clogging the top. Are like some of the best wrestlers in MMA. Like, no, thank you. I don't. I don't buy it as an avenue to victory for you. So, I'd rather get the fun, exciting fight. Of course, it, it's name value. The shit talking. Um, I actually think Nate versus uh, Jorge would actually be really respectful. Um, oh yeah, because they're like both kind of like hood, like real dudes. Like, I don't think they would talk fake shit to each other to just hype things up. I think they would actually be really incredibly respectful of each other's game and reputations as a result. So it would kind of be interesting in that regard. Of course I want that fight, Bobby. It's a fight all of you want. And any of you say line, Leon Edwards, you're lying. That's not well, I'm only, ask- I'm only asking you anyway. And actually, I was listening to Mr. Diaz's 40-minute interview with Brett Okamoto. It's an amazing Hall of Famer, Brett Okamoto, Mike's guy. Um, and uh, he talked about what like what's interested and what, is, what doesn't interest him. And he's like, it does. He's like, he pretty much said, he's like, it doesn't interest me to fight like Kamaro Usman or somebody like that. He's like, he literally Nate put it in most simple terms. He's like, nothing Kamaro does looks cool. He says, Jorge went out there, did his thing. That seems fun. He says, I saw Anthony Pettis doing cool shit against uh, Stephen Thompson. And I thought, yeah, okay. He says, I'm trying to do Street Fighter out here, as he put it. So yeah, I think you're right, Steph. That'd be fucking awesome. Um, though, if they wanted to milk anything out of this, Edwards and Masvidal fight. Honestly, I mean, the winner of that fight very clearly deserves a title shot, I'd say. But I don't know if either one of them. Well, I don't know if Jorge Masvidal gives a shit about a title. We learned Nate Diaz truly does not. Um. Anyway, um, fuck, let's get into it. And uh, God, I hope this holds up. And we're talking about the fight first because I'm the most excited for this fight. UFC 241 coming to you from... I want to say the Honda Center because it's in Anaheim. Um, it is at the Honda Center. Has anybody been to the Honda Center? Not talking to Mike here, really. Nope, <laughs> never. Yeah, no, neither. It's Only Lakers, State. right? No, I don't, I don't know what they fucking play there. Lakers did, play at Staples. Did the Center. Mighty Ducks play there back in the day, or was that a different arena? Because I saw the Mighty Ducks once. I think that was the pond. That's the pond. That's an Anaheim. Oh, that is, yeah. That's where they play. Is the home of the Anaheim Ducks. No. And Stefan has been there. Uh, when they were still the Mighty Ducks, when Disney still owned them. Are they not the Mighty Ducks anymore? They no, haven't just, been the Mighty Ducks in several years, at, they're, they're, at least. They're, possibly a decade. Oh, they're just the Ducks. Okay. From right the year after Disney sold them, they won the, the Stanley Cup. That's being held back. Being held back by Charlie and the Knuckle Puck Kid and Fulton. Fulton was my favorite. He just hit people. Coach Bombay was in over his head, Bobby. We all know that's where it stemmed from. The man of the most ridiculous drunk driving arrest, arrest in the history of movies. Man, they, the guy starts his car, starts drinking a beer, jamming out, drinking a beer. You should watch Mighty Ducks, people. It's a good movie. Um, or maybe it's not, but at least I enjoyed it when I was a kid. 
Um, the real main event, kind of kidding, but I'm kind of not, for me at least, the former UFC lightweight champion of the world, Anthony Showtime Pettis, man has been earning that nickname back in his last few fights, quite frankly, taking on Nathan Donald Diaz, I think it's Donald, um, yes it is, Nathan Donald Diaz, the king of Stockton, California, the favorite of this podcast, quite frankly, I think at this point, Man who has not fought in three years. It's basically a holiday weekend in Stockton coming up. Um, the betting lines for this one, I'm pretty sure are close, Steph. I'm pretty sure the betting line is close for all these goddamn fights. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's pretty much a coin flip. It's minus 125, Anthony Pettis right now, plus 105, Nate Diaz. Um, Anthony Pettis, as I mentioned, has been doing, as Nate put it, Anthony Pettis has been doing some cool shit, guys. Um, Anthony Pettis in his last fight knocked out Steven Thompson. Before that, him and Tony Ferguson beat each other up for two rounds until Tony fucked up Anthony's face or hand, one or the other. Um, before that, I was at that fight against Michael Chiesa. Um, Anthony Pettis has been in fuck it mode for a while now, basically. Um, he's beyond being worried about taking down, it seems like. Anthony Pettis is just throwing shit. Nate Diaz has not fought in three years um, and is not doing it for the money, apparently, because quite frankly, he said he's kind of bored. Um, Nate Diaz made so much money beating Conor McGregor's ass, and then losing a split decision to him. No, not split. Majority decision to him. That he's just taking time off and waiting for the UFC to pay him. And I guess they did. Um, Anthony's on a one-fight win streak. Nate's technically on a one-fight losing streak. I'm not even going to lie. There was no scenario where I'm not picking Nate Diaz in this fight. I'm picking Nate Diaz. I fully expect the way he would lose this fight is Anthony Pettis kicking the shit out of his legs. Saying that now. That's how Nate Diaz loses this fight. But I got I got Nate Diaz winning. And I think Anthony Pettis is getting choked. Mark, what do you got? Uh, yeah, there's a lot of things to kind of break down here. Um, th- this layoff is probably the longest I think Nate's probably ever had in his career. I didn't check that. I'm just guessing three years is probably the longest this dude hasn't fought. In. Um, stylistically, I like, I like the matchup for Nate a lot. And I think that's why, you know... I, I, I kind of feel like we're all going to be picking Nate here because we're just fans of him. But I, I think stylistically he matches up pretty well with Anthony. I mean, Nate historically usually struggles with guys that are going to be able to take him down. Those are the the archetype that gives him the most trouble because while he has a really good bottom game, it's not good enough to stagnate someone on top of you from, from raining down punches and, and getting uh, rounds. I don't think Anthony's going to do that. I think these guys are going to stand. I think where we've seen Anthony not perform super great is when guys are putting pressure on him a lot. That's something that Nate tends to do. He tends to throw punches in volume. And and honestly, when Nate or Nick are really letting their hands go and have high volume counts in their matches, they almost always win the fights. It, it's really when they're being a little standoffish, not really going after it very much, kind of waiting for the fight to develop where they tend to you know not perform as well. I feel like if... Nate has some ring rust and he spends too much time respecting Anthony and giving Anthony a lot of space so he can set up kicks and do a lot of the weird spinning shit that he tends to do. This could be a tougher fight for Nate, but I have a feeling Nate's hungry. He's going to be motivated for this fight. I feel his strengths play into Anthony's weaknesses. He's going to put the pressure on. He needs to be putting jabs in his face all night long, not let Anthony set up, not let Anthony really think, you know, just overwhelm him with volume and when Nate does that regularly in a fight, he's usually very Man, successful. Marcus, I wish this was a five-round fight so badly. 
Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> uh, the only thing that, you know, hopefully these guys know, you know, there's not, they don't have a ton of time to work here. They can really put in a high pace and, you know, keep up. Because um, both of them tend not to have, you know, a ton of stamina issues. So, I, I mean, I'm looking forward. This could easily be fight of the night um, if Nate really goes out there and, and tries to put it on Anthony. And like you said, Bob, Anthony has really mentally made an adjustment in the last couple years where, you know, his strategy used to be, you know, be crazy standing up because the fucker takes you down. The dude's dangerous off his back in the guard. He has a extremely slick guard. He gets guys in submissions very quickly. That's not going to play into Nate. I don't think too much. Nate is a is a master of you know guys on the bottom. He's going to be knowing all the setups and uh, that Anthony will be throwing his way. So I think this is going to be contested standing up. I think Nate, as long as he puts that pressure on, can do very well. But Anthony, great kicker. Diaz, don't block kicks. Don't check kicks. If like I said, if Nate is not putting the pressure on, he lets Anthony set up kicks and especially go to the legs a lot. This could be a more difficult fight than we were foreseeing here. But I, I think Nate has this one. Um, Nate Diaz has 30 career fights listed. 30. We know Nate Diaz has more fights than that in his life. He had 30 fights. He's 34 years now, old now. He had 30 fights at age 31. He talked about it. He's, been, he's, he's like, I've been in this game 15 years. I've seen so many guys being the hot shit for a month. Or one title defense, and then they're gone. And he's like, I'm still here. As he put it, he's like, I'm the youngest OG. He's like, I'm the youngest OG out there. Um, Stefan, he's back. Uh, is Logic going to kick in for any of us here and pick the guy who is not on a three-year layoff? Where are you at? <laughs> yeah, I'm also going to defend uh, the real main event, Bobby. is I get it. I get it. We love Nate Diaz. You're the host. You get to do what you want. But you know what I want, Bobby? You know what the people want? You know what the world wants? They like heavyweights, okay? That's the main event. Is I, I, re I really thought you were going to talk about the, we're going to have a pose-off between Paulo Costa and Yoel Romero just flexing in the middle of the cage for 20 minutes. I don't know. That's you, Bob, your, your head is all in the wrong space. People like heavyweights. That's all people ever want. That's the only reason boxing is still afloat. I don't know who any of these guys are, these Joshuas and people of the world, but they're big fucking dudes, so we keep watching them. <laughs> Okay, we'll talk about that fight next. I promise, brother. Who do you got? Um, but uh, yeah, I'm taking Pettis. Um, it's like the first time I've ever taken a gun against the layoff. Scares me. Um, it fucking only... should. It's three years. <laughs> the layoff is a long time, and where Pettis really improved is somewhere which I didn't think he ever would. It's why I wasn't sure about him. He showed power in his hands. He always had great hand speed. He always had great hand accuracy. He never had great hand power. His knockouts came via kicks, but um, to see him flatline someone like as tough as Wonder Boy, Wonder Boy's fucking tough. Wonder Boy survived Woodley punching him in the head over ten rounds and didn't get knocked out. <laughs> that guy can take shots, and so the fact that Pettis was able to put him out cold with his hands that bodes very badly for someone like Nate, who's willing to eat a shot. You know, like yeah, he's tough as nails, but. I'm not sure the layoff makes him tougher, you know. And like, fuck, one day the chin goes. <laughs> yeah, he, I mean, he's been in a lot of wars himself. You know, I, I remember Nick throwing in the towel because Nate was just taking so much fucking damage. And that was against a guy who doesn't have nearly the reputational, like, striking competency of an Anthony Pettis, who, who who's really kind of coming back into his prime after I had basically written him off. So, you know, hats off to him. But Is um, Nate getting, are you saying Nate's getting finished or Nate's just going to lose? Just, I mean, it's not, not going to affect your pick here, but what it's do you think? It's not going to affect my pick. Um, three rounds helps, Nate. I think we get a decision. Mike. 
Wait, just to make sure. So you're picking Nate uh, Stefan? He's picking how Pettis. Do you, how do you come, how do you, how do you come up with that saying? <laughs> He's picking Pettis. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure of that because uh, you, you know you're basically almost going to be thrown off the show for doing some shit like that. <laughs> this is a Nate Diaz house, and you are blaspheming against the family right now. Oh, man. You know, if... This is a Daniel Cormier <laughs> podcast, as you are about to hear in the next fight. Um, you, Mike, you talk about that he- people come to see heavyweights. Yeah, but you know it's another thing that keeps boxing afloat when two Mexicans are just wailing away at each other, and that's what we're gonna have in Nate Diaz versus Anthony Pettis. Is Anthony De- Pettis Mexican? Half Mexican. The other half is Puerto Rican. Okay, I, th- I knew he was Puerto Rican. I don't know about the other half. <laughs> you know, yeah, Nate Diaz is on a three on a three year layoff. But, you know, I think ring rust is only a thing for certain types of fighters. And I don't think Nate Diaz is that type of fighter that ring rust is going to matter at all. I'm pretty sure that man, is, whenever he's practicing, he is thinking that all of his training partners are actual fighters. Like, he, he, he ain't worrying about ring rust, all right? There isn't going to be none of that. Um, as Bobby talked about before, one of the things that really scares me is the fact that the Diaz brothers do not check leg kicks. So... If Diaz, if Nate tries to keep this fight at distance, I'm gonna feel a lot if more iffy about my pick. But I cannot go against the uh, the man who uh, so graciously decided to come out of retirement on my birthday. I'm going with Nate Diaz. Is he your favorite fighter? Yes. yes. Ever or just active? I mean, yeah, ah, for you it might be the same thing, son. Huh? Ever. Yeah, me too, probably. <laughs> uh, you think he's going to get a finish? This is just me asking. Uh, No. I think that Nate Diaz's avenue of victory, it's going to be a volume of strikes with his boxing. He gets in just close enough in the pocket that Pettis won't be able to land any of his kicks, but he'll be able to you know, survive. Pick, yeah, pick apart Pettis with, it, with his jabs, with, with his jab. So you don't think he finished? Mark, did you think that Nate? Do you think Nate's gonna get a finish, or you think he's just gonna win? I, I do. I think he's just gonna win. Um, That's fair. I, I, if I, it I, was five, if it was five rounds, I think he would definitely get a finish. Personally, it's mostly just that he doesn't. Um, Anthony doesn't really get finished a ton. That's um, true. So I mean, and Nate, I think I kind of feel like he would get it done with his hands more than he will with the um, submission. But I just I just don't think it's gonna happen. I think especially with with maybe five rounds, I could see a late submission. But I don't think I think Anthony's gonna be there for all three. Neither of these guys are cutting, so I expect the uh, you know the the weight cut not to be a big factor. Yeah, so I'm I'm looking at a decision, but fight of the night too. Um, man, I'm just excited. I really hope, God willing, this holds up. Um, all right, the listed main event, a rematch of a fight I actually went to. Um, Daniel Cormier defending his heavyweight championship for the second time. First offense was against Derek Lewis at Madison Square Garden. Um, after Derek Lewis, when they told Derek Lewis, if you're your number one contender, he said, shit. No, he's not. Um, Daniel Cormier coming into this fight on, I honestly can't tell you how many fight win streak, but I'm looking. Um, three for deep. Three fight, Three fights. Oh, two of those at heavyweight. The other one being who? No time. Was- Vulcan. No, no, no. Yeah. No time. Um, actually, he has not his his unbeaten streak is eight fights. He got a no contest when he got kicked upside his head in the same arena. Um, again, uh, it's John Jones two years ago. Steve Miocic has not fought since Daniel Cormier took his belt. 
Stipe Miocic said he wasn't going to fight unless he wanted a, he wanted an immediate title. He wanted an immediate rematch. Thankful to him, Vince McMahon paid Brock Lesnar more money than Dana White was willing to pay him. So Stipe Miocic got this number, got his, got his rematch. Um, man that the UFC did not like having as heavyweight champion getting a rematch. Uh, Daniel Cormier, Stefan, is he the betting favorite? He is, but it may as well be a coin flip because it's minus 145 DC plus 125 Stipe. Um, probably a reasonable line, quite frankly. We're talking about the arguably the greatest UFC heavyweight champion ever still in his prime against the uh, champ champ or former champ champ who knocked him out uh, last July at UFC 226, I believe. Um, nobody from American Kickboxing Academy has ever successfully defended their title in California. Daniel Cormier said that today. Kane got knocked out by Junior. Rockhold got knocked out by uh, Bisping. And Cormier didn't lose. The, did Cormier lose the belt when he fought Jones? Whatever. He got knocked out. He didn't win that fight. Um, Stefan, you're a big uh, Daniel Cormier mark. You're picking him, right? <laughs> I am. But the funny thing is, like, probably until recent events, I wasn't going to. I, I was leaning Stipe on the comeback for a while. It's kind of part of why I was adamant that I think Steve A deserves the auto rematch based on the kind of history he set, whether you think it's worthy or Hon not. It's honestly, true. everybody said, everybody thought so. He just got fucked because the UFC doesn't like him. Okay, that's fair. No one really thought Brock deserved a yeah. shot <laughs> and as much as the, they were trying to get that. And, and we knew DC just wanted the paycheck. Um, now, I'm not saying these recent events are why I'm picking DC. Like I said, I, I'm a sucker for storylines, and I just picture the moment, and I think it's potentially a beautiful moment. You know, it, local tragedy really struck close to us um, with the Gilroy Garlic Festival getting shot up. Um, it was a horrible, in a series of horrible events going on in our country. But um, the caveat is Daniel Cormier has made Gilroy his home. Um, he, he took the head coach wrestling job at the high school there. Like, yep. And I think he was working it basically pro bono right i think he was just he still it does it he, he does for, it for free he gives the money doing to the it for coaches. passion you know he he loves he loves the sport he loves the area it really is his community and i'm just picturing a moment where daniel cormier defends his title again against the best heavyweight the ufc has seen and you know he gets to say something for his hometown say something for these this community for these people who again are very local and close to us um and that's the moment that i'm hoping for out of this entire card and like that's why this is the main event to me, because that's the moment that can really last, that can really linger, that can really be a memory, like, when I think back on a guy's career. And I hate that a tragedy would have to be the reason it would exist. But this is what sports are. They lift up communities. They give you something to rally around. And if Daniel Cormier can get a victory here, and it can just be a small little glimmer for, like, anyone in Gilroy to smile, that's a fucking beautiful moment to me, and that's what this card, this whole card is about that moment to me. I hope you're right, and we talked about the Gilroy Garlic Festival a couple weeks ago on the show, but I'm very much being pessimistic, and I think that he's going to get a John Jones question from Joe Rogan, and we're going to have to listen to that bullshit for the 500th time. But God, I hope you're right, Steph. Honestly, that sounded perfect. He talked about it today on MMA Hour. or Not what? Not MMA Ariel. Ariel's show. He talked about Gilroy and all that stuff. I think he... I read an article on about DC where he, now the, uh, the Gilroy High School team placed fifth nationally, which is insanely better than it ever had before. Like, he's coaching the team, and like when he has fight camp, he has like Sean Bunches and other goddamn wrestling legends 
coaching the team. <laughs> so, and you're right. He doesn't take a paycheck. He, uh, he, the money goes to the coaches, the rest of the coaches. So DC's a good guy round 500. Um, I got DC, man. Um, I believe him when he said he was just waiting to get Stipe's timing. And Stipe's never been that hard to hit. Quite frankly, you can hit him. It can be done. Um, then again, Daniel Cormier, <laughs> you just wait for him to lean to the right. You kick him in the head. But I uh, I got to go with DC in this one. And then again, it's heavyweight MMA and fucking anything could happen with, you know, these little ass gloves and big dudes. But um, he knocked him out last time in the first round, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, first round. He put him out in the first round, man. I'm I'm taking him to win again. Mark? Uh yeah, I have DC too, but that's not to say that, you know, I think Stipe is, you know, I think the odds are are correct here. I think he has a really good shot of um regaining his belt. Uh stylistically, it's a really fun matchup. I, honestly, the first fight, I, I, you never want to say it was like a lucky punch, but it was just he he got he caught him early. I think if that punch didn't land that fight we could easily have seen a five-round fight there and who knows how that would have gone and i still don't know how this fight's going to go you know they're very they're both very accomplished wrestlers i do think dc is a little bit better um and i what i'm interested in outside of i think the story that stefan kind of presented which i think would be heartwarming would be a big feather in dc's cap um you know to get the win after a tragedy like um we just had uh i think what we what a different narrative a different timeline could have had DC staying at heavyweight and being the best fucking fighter this planet's ever seen. You know, we don't really know how compromised he was at light heavyweight and he still fucking schooled everyone except John Jones. Obviously I think heavyweight would have been the weight class. He would have preferred to stay at. He's a big guy. Um, those cuts to two Oh five looked really bad. I mean, for, for kind of a heavy set guy like that, you looked at him on the scale and look at, he still had a big belly. But that face was completely drawn in. There was no water in that dude's body. Marcus, apologize for interrupting, but I saw Ariel. I saw him today. How good he looked on Ariel's show. I'm like, man, DC must have really trimmed up. And Ariel asked him, he's like, oh, I weigh 240 pounds still. He's a big dude. I, I'm <laughs> anticipating, like we saw in the Stipe fight, dude's gonna have a little bit of a flubby belly. You know, he's a belly guy. He doesn't have to cut weight. Uh, I, I expect he's going to look a little heavy in this fight, like he did in his first fight. But I think what comes with that is what we saw. It, his punches have a lot more power on them, and he's a lot more dangerous in areas that he wasn't as dangerous in light heavyweight. And and that's how he won the fight in the in the first Stipe fight was he did his work in the clinch, and we saw him in light heavyweight against John Jones. That was one of his better positions. He likes the dirty box, and now with the extra weight, he tends to have finishing power there as well so i think this fight is super close i'm really excited to see it you know I, I agree with you bobby i think the diaz just because he's been gone so long just because we love his attitude we love his fights it's kind of taking the focus for us you know but this fight is just as compelling and i think like stefan mentioned before i think the greater populace is always extremely fascinated with the heavyweight division and i think at this point you have two charismatic guys that you can get behind either of these guys there's interesting storylines going on here um, but ultimately, you know, I, I've always liked DC a lot, and I would love for him to be victorious here. It's just, it's a tall order. Stipe is not an easy out for anybody, and even though he won this fight, I think the odds are still in the right place. He should be a slight favorite because they've done this dance before. He came out victorious, but, you know, he kind of got, he got one shot in that was enough to finish it. That could happen just as easily come Saturday with Stipe and DC on the other end. So, just really excited to see this fight. Um, I think DC is going to be able to pull it off, but, you know, it's a, it's a coin toss as far as I'm concerned. Mike, 
You gonna take the former champ? No, it's it's gonna be a sweep. I'm gonna go Damn. with DC. Um, I will just say, just for the sake of uh, you know having the other side kind of uh, said for Miosic, I would think the way that he'll win is that in the last fight, I think he made a bit of a tactical error where he tried to get a bit in uh, on DC and tried to to bully him around a bit, and that backfired badly on him. I think his avenue to win, if he were to win, is that he would utilize the fact that he has about five or six inches on DC, you know, um, get gets a bit on his horse and just utilizes the outside and and really uses his range well. But with that said, DC is undefeated at he- at heavyweight, and nothing I've seen in any of the fights he's had at heavyweight would lead me to believe that he's not going to win this fight. In Mark's alternate timeline. Where DC stays at heavyweight the whole time, Kane McCain Velasquez is one of the best fucking luchadors in the world. I'm telling you that right now. Motherfuckers do it all sorts of hurricane ranas for like ten years straight. Here's the here's a question. Um both let's say five years ago, DC never goes goes down to light heavyweight. Who would win in that fight, heavyweight? Kane or DC? I got Kane. I know what else taking a stance here. Are we all going to be picking? Ah. I mean, Mike asked it. I'm saying Kane. That's, hmm. I have no reason. I'm just. I think no, I don't, would don't. have had Kane because until that fight where he lost to Fabricio, and even when I watched that fight, I was like, "What the fuck happened?" Like, <laughs> I thought Kane was the best fighter of all time. I thought Kane would beat John Jones. If you're to go back in time, I'm with you, Bob. If you're going to go back in time when Kane was at his peak, I thought he was the greatest fighter MMA had ever seen. Was five years ago? Was what when he? Made made uh, Bigfoot Silva bleed to death on a mat. I'm going five years. I'm definitely taking Kane. And he's the saying. only one who didn't break his hands fighting Bigfoot because he took him down. And, and, he, and Kane breaks everything. Kane breaks everything. Kane breaks everything else. <laughs> Just not his hands. Yeah, I do Mark remember. Would've... I thought he would beat John Jones. So with that detail, I, yeah, I, I loved Pete Kane. Mark, you got a thought on this? No, yeah, I'll take DC. He's only lost to one man when he had to literally go into the weight class he didn't want to go to. Yeah. Lost at heavyweight. I've seen him hop around, get knocked out on Fox, thinking he's all that shit. Got knocked out on ESPN. I mean, (laughs) let's go back to this hypothetical world, because if we're going to bring him up, then I'm going to say it. Uh, Fictional heavyweight John Jones beats all these fucking chumps. John Jones kills everybody. He's scared. He doesn't want to do Oh, they're too heavy. I want to fight the light heavyweight guys. Come on. Get your pants on God, and fight the I, big boys. I, I hate. He wanted anime. Brock, Mark. He wanted Brock. Look, okay. I mean, Mark's making a bit of a joke here. But, like, the fact that a motherfucker can't just be in his weight class in this sport and just gets badgered into fighting motherfuckers 40 pounds heavier than him. God. Jesus. Um... Vincente, was it, uh, Vincente, Paulo Costa, Yoel Romero, um, I suggest we just have the pose off, but I guess they're gonna fight also, Yoel's the soldier of God, he's 42 years old somehow, supposedly, um, I mean, you think he's older? Uh, <laughs> <What? just> yeah, <laughs> uh, he don't look like he's older, yo man, uh, Cubans and Dominicans. We're the two that lie about our ages the most. Um, just saying. Thirteen and three. Last lost two of his last three. Both of those to Bobby Knuckles. Man, we know what we know who Yo Romero is. Uh, we got Paulo Costa, um, who has some sort of yeah. He used an IV when he should have, shouldn't have. He's twelve and zero. 
Um, his last fight was against, I was at that one too, against the same card as the DC one. It was against Uriah Hall, in which a fight where I thought, man, when this fight's on the outside, Uriah Hall's kicking the shit out of this guy. And then Paula Costa just got on the inside and started beating that ass. Um, Steph, what's the betting line? It is minus 145 EOL, plus 125 Paulo Costa. This whole thing is just a bunch of ones. Think yeah, this is, we're good, yeah. Um, this is a fight between a guy who was tested for a banned substance that apparently was, um, not supposed to be his, he had a tainted supplement versus a guy who used an IV he shouldn't have. And, and um, I note he may fucking bank on that lawsuit. So if you want to say Nate Diaz ain't fighting for money near as Romero because he can make like what, like three, he, four. He's not. He's not, see, he's not seeing a dime of that. What? There's that. It's a company that's a bullshit for supplement company. They probably claimed bankruptcy five times over already. They'll start a new going up with the same people down the road, different address. Paulo Costa um, and Yoel Romero. I enjoyed the co-main event podcast assessment of when a guy super jacked. They say he looks good getting off a bu- off the bus and that this fight is for the getting off the bus championship because these are two yoked men. Um, I don't know where to go and I don't want to be the, have the pressure of picking first. So, Mike, <laughs> go. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Um, I think this should be one of the only fights where they allow both fighters to grease so that way we could get a nice glisten off of both of them. Well, nice, yeah. nice. Okay. Yeah, sorry. We all muted. I was laughing. Trust <laughs> me. It, it sounded like Mike did a real shitty joke. We were all laughing, Mike. We let the audience know. It wasn't just Mike having a wet dream on camera about two <laughs> two middleweights. Well, I can see all of you laughing, but all of you are muted. So it really just looks like I just landed a really fucking corny joke. But yeah, I do remember that last fight that Casa had with Uriah. And if his uh, if his advantage is when he's getting inside, uh, I don't think that's going to lead very well to a fight with Yoel Ribeiro, who is, I think, to this day, still one of the best wrestlers in the UFC. So I'm going to keep it short and go with uh, Soldier of God. You know, he not for gay Jesus, Yoel Romero. Oh, I forgot about the gay Jesus. Uh, Stefan, who you got? Um, yeah, I got Yoel, too. Um Bobby Knuckles couldn't put Yoel away, and I step on no you're stealing idea. my analysis. <laughs> I have no idea how you, Bobby, Mister Undecided. It sounds if you, this is your analysis, it sounds like you want to pick Romero. So I don't know where you're coming at me from. I knew I was picking Yoel because Bobby Knuckles couldn't finish him, and I have no idea how Bobby Knuckles survived that fucking atomic bomb that uh, Yoel hit him with. I don't think another man can survive that punch. Um, if Casa does, it'll surprise the hell out of me. So I got, I got. Yoel Romero, so this is what's going to happen. He's going to knock out Paulo Costa, and then he's going to give him a kiss after he knocks him out, as we've seen before, and then boom, Mike's got a starting point for his fan fiction. Mark, what do you got? Um, Yeah, I'm going with Romero, too. Just looking at the records, you know, uh, Paulo Costa, he has some good names, um, but they're just not at the level that Romero... I mean, Yoel has been fighting, you know, the top 10 guys in what I consider to be one of the most competitive divisions, and he's been holding his own. I mean, I don't, I'd have to watch that second fight with Bobby Knuckles again, but I kind of thought Romero won that fight. Um, I honestly, I honestly think the, the toughest hurdle for him is going to be making weight. He hasn't made weight in his last two fights. It literally cost him a shot at the championship in his last fight. Like you guys mentioned before, dude's 42 years old. It's insane 
at how explosive and athletic he still is at this age. It's kind of insane that he's competing at this high level in this weight division where there's just nothing but fucking killers and he's fighting this man and we're all still picking him. Uh, my biggest concern is, one, can he still make the weight? Is he, is it just becoming a factor where he's getting older now where it's just a lot harder to make this cut? Um and two, you kind of have to wonder, like, when are the wheels going to start wobbling and start to come off? Because, you know, the dude's 42 years old. Now, he hasn't been an active fighter in MMA for an extremely long amount of time, but he's been a high-level athlete, you know, pretty much probably, I'm guessing, his entire life. So you have to imagine at some point the body just starts to break down. Um, you look at this guy's body, there's no break in anywhere. This dude is just busting at the seams. But those are the kind of questions that, you know, I think it's fair to have with Romero for the rest of his career. It's just like, the dude's already 42. You're way past your prime. How are you maintaining the body and the physique that you are without injecting yourself with something I think is somewhat of a concern? And just, you know, how long are you going to be able to maintain putting out the explosive energy that he does? And, and Romero ha has gotten really good at pacing himself, knowing how to not throw just dynamite all the time to wait for those moments to materialize to go throw that big flying knee when it's the you know late in the third round he's gotten really good at picking those spots um i feel like he's going to win this fight but i'm always going to be questioning in the back of my mind just when who's going to be that guy that hurts him really bad when is he going to get injured you know because he's past the prime you know you don't see a lot of guys past 40 one i mean in boxing don't even fight you're past 40 you're only George Foreman could continue to do that shit at the age that he was. And in MMA, we've seen guys fight later, but not quite the level that Romero is consistently fighting at. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see if the wheels are going to start falling off at any point. Uh, Costa is, is the type of fighter that could do it, but he's been fighting better guys and, and holding his own. So I'm not going to hold it past him. I think he's going to get the win here, but I, I'm concerned, you know, but I love this guy. He's a great athlete. His performances are astonishing, um, but I, in the back of my head, it's always going to be, is he going to take that one shot that he can't recover from? Is his body going to start breaking down? Because you look at that guy, he's fucking the Hulk. You know, your muscles can only withstand that kind of lifting all the time. I mean, I have to imagine this dude lifts all the fucking time. You just like, when's those ligaments and stuff going to start breaking? Or when is he going to pop for having to take supplements to to keep him at this level? Hey, man, the man got knocked out by my boy Feijau. Remember it happened. Beijou knocked his ass out eight years ago. Supplement. Somehow his chin got better since then, though. Um, 12-0, 28-year-old, knocking like eight dudes in a row out. Nah, man, we're all taking the 42-year-old Marvel character. Um, one more fight we're picking. Because I imagine Nate Diaz demanded a lot of money to fight anybody. So effectively, that's another title fight. <laughs> Um, main card got a little thin after those top three fights, but old man Rafael Asuncao versus young man Corey Sandhagen. Um, Sandhagen is on a bit of a run here. Um, as I noted, we were talking about this earlier. Might have been off camera, might have been off the show, so pointless for you guys listening. Man's 4-0 in the UFC, six in a row overall. He's 11-1. He's 27 years old. Last fight was a big win over John Lineker. Mike! Well, first, Stefan, what are the betting odds? Uh, we got m minus 160, Corey Sandhagen, and plus 142, uh, Rafael. I like all these close lines, and then we all pick the same fight. The same guy to win all these fights. God bless Stefan for picking Anthony Pettis. Um, Mike, who do you got in this one? 
Well, based off our conversations before the podcast started, I think I'm going to be alone on the island picking Corey Sandhagen. You will not. What? What the hell is <laughs> Yeah, man. I didn't say anything. Oh, <laughs> I just said it's a tough fight. It well, is a tough fight for him. <laughs> well, I'm picking Sandhagen. Uh, a Sun Sao, I mean, he's in one of those spots where he's been one of the best in the division, but we're all kind of waiting for the bottom to drop out since he's uh, really starting to get up there in terms of fight mileage. Whereas with, with Sanhagen, I rewatched this fight with John Lineker, and within a minute, I thought, whoa, this guy is like a whiter Dominic Cruz, like the way he moves. Uh, very unorthodox. He, he moves really well. You don't exactly know where he's going with any of his strikes. And... You know, he's still only 27 um, or, or 28. And honestly, I think he might be uh, one, you know, the future of this division. I think in about a year or two, he'll be fighting for a belt. I changed my mind. I'll take off Ayla Sun Sao. Wow. Fuck it, man. We got to make some difference. Mike's analysis here. was so bad. You had a change of heart. No, honestly, I think everything Mike said. Mike said. Mike said. I think Mike. Everything Mike said was right. I'm just looking at Alfaio Sun sounds and like, fuck, motherfucker, just lose a lot. <laughs> so, uh, Bob, just to let you know, you're already down one game. Do you really fine. want to take that risk? You know, that's okay. You know, so, you know this league well, is going to be widening from now it's, on, right? It's okay. You're not. You're not winning this year. Right. Even Stefan's going to take it from you too. Stefan, if, if Anthony Pettis wins, he's going to be tied with your ass. Um, yeah, he's tied with you right now, below me. I'm going to take uh, Rafael Asuncao. He's 37 years old. Nothing Mike said was wrong, and he got finished in three minutes in his last fight. But shit, man. The fights aren't always good, but he wins. He finds a way. And I don't know. Maybe he just takes this kid down and snoozes it up for a while. Stefan, what do you got? Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, I'm going to leapfrog both of y'all in one fell swoop on this card because I'm going to take Rafael Asuncao. Um, I didn't watch the Sandhagen fight with, uh, what's his face? Uh, Mr. Can't make weight. Um, I, I just don't have an opinion of the kid. Uh, he looks incredibly physically unimpressive to me when I looked him up though. Um, maybe he's talented. Maybe he sticks and moves, but this is, <laughs> this is not the fighter that gets me excited. This is your anti Yoel and Apollo. Those two impressive specimens of human beings. This is the average white guy in tech in San Francisco. You, um, you realize that at the main event, you're picking a big fat dude uh, unanimously, right? Hey, yo, it's not like Stipe got abs. Whoa, whoa, all right, whoa, we, just... we are fat. Sh- we are bot. Yeah, we're gonna fa- we're gonna fat shame two time Olympian Daniel. Uh, Stefan, I got no chance out here. I'm gonna stop the diet right now. Okay, <laughs> Jesus. Um, <laughs> look, no Sandhagen. He might be something. I've not I've not seen him be something yet, and when I look at him, I don't see anything special. Uh, I see an action fighter. I see a fun action fighter who hangs around the back end of the ten. Maybe a son's house done, or maybe he controls this motherfucker in an unexciting fight. Exactly, Marcus. Where are you in this somehow hotly contested <laughs> matchup? Yeah, I, uh, I I did a little homework on uh sanhagen i saw a highlight youtube video from 2018 so it had no ufc appearances um but what i saw was a guy who's very lengthy who is a pretty sneaky striker you know in in the footage i saw a couple kickboxing matches dude goes to that liver i love that 
Um, and, and even in some of his MMA performances, he's very slick on the ground and he, and he'll do setups that are kind of weird. He'll, he'll fake going for an arm to go for a choke or, or something along those lines. Um, but when I look at a Sun Sal and just the guys he's faced, like I can look at Aljamain Sterling and be like, I bet Sterling was tuning up dudes in kickboxing just as good as Corey was. And he's, he's just as slick, if not slicker on the ground. You can look at a lot of the guys that a Sun Sal has fought against and won and, think like i think they're better than Corey is even though you know i haven't seen a ton of his footage i i think you guys are, are right in assessing that this guy could be the future you know he and and getting a win here solidifies that he's the future i don't know if i mean ready. shit he wins this fight he gets one more fight and a title shot let's I be honest the sun sounds not good could <laughs> get a title i mean the last guy that beat a sun Sao got the, his next fight was a title fight so i don't think it's completely out of the realm of possibility but Corey just hasn't had that kind of exposure you know lineker was the biggest scalp that he's been able to collect. He got a split there, you know, good on him. Uh, but a Sun has been fighting the who's who. And honestly, most of his recent losses are against rematches. You know, I think the first time you fight a Sun Sal, I think a lot of these guys are assessing that maybe they're doing a little bit better against him than they think. And the judges go the other way. I think a Sun Sal is like you mentioned, Bobby, he's very good at just doing enough and doing enough stuff. The judges seem to really like to get rounds and to get decisions and i think that's how he could sneak a win past you know a very a very promising up-and-comer in Corey sanhagen um you know i think it's a i think it's right of us to put a spotlight on this fight i think of the rest of the fights this is the one that's potentially the most um not just the highest ranked but has the most uh repercussions in the division i, I think whoever wins here is right in, next in line for a title. Well, I guess Bantamweight, there is a lot of guys kind of in the wings right now, but th this is a big fight for Corey. Um, I just think a Sun Sal, he knows how to win fights, and I feel like Corey knows that he's going up against it, and he might struggle just in some of the physicality. Um, a Sun Sal is just really great at getting dudes in the clinch, not allowing them to use the range like we've seen him use in the past. Um, but I think it's going to be a great fight, and uh, I would, I'll be a little surprised if Corey gets the win, um, but that will be biggest win of his career. This will really put him on the map. This is easily the biggest card he's probably been on. Um, the most exposure he's going to get being on ESPN. This, I honestly think this fight should probably be the main event of that. But um, yeah, I'm going with a sun style, but I'm keeping an eye on Corey. I've been impressed with what I saw. Um, all right. I think that's it. Um, it's got a bunch of awesome fights, this card, but it's kind of thin beyond what we mentioned. Um, I like Jody Escabel on the card. Her fights are always entertaining. She's on the fight pass portion, if anybody still pays for that. Um, a Sun Sound Sandhagen's on actual ESPN. So more people will see that than this actual pay-per-view. Big chance for him to fight. Uh, Derek Brunson returns to the cage, fighting Ian Heinish on the first fight of the main card. And Gabriel Benitez also on the main card, um, taking on... Uh, what the fuck was this dude's name? Sodiq Youssef... Um, Coming off of that big slam he got back uh, over a year ago now, Jesus, over Umberto Banderway. So good to see Gabriel Benitez back in. Um, all right, um, let's do stuff we like. Um, I'll go last because I'm just going to talk about my trip at that point. But let's lead off with uh, DJ Mark and see what we got going on this week. Oh, yeah, sure. Um, as far as games go, we are... The summer is always a bad time, and we're right in the middle of the fucking desert right now because it's we're gasping for water. There's not a lot coming out. Uh, the one thing that is coming out that I'm actually uh, looking forward to, there's going to be a new update on No Man's Sky that's going to be including VR. So I'm excited to try that out, as well as more multi-MMO you know, MMO type of 
systems. You're going to be able to play with more people at once. Um, and kind of curtailing off of that, I have been playing a lot of Subnautica, which I talked about last week or maybe even two weeks ago, um, which is a game that's very much in the same vein as your uh, No Man's Skies, your survival games are basically kind of almost Minecrafty, where you're basically getting different materials, using them to craft new items. That new item lets you get a new material to craft the new item, uh, so forth and so on. But those games are addicting in so much that it is just fun to have these little minute goals that you set for yourself. Like, oh, I want to make this item. I need to find these components. Go search for those, find those, craft the thing you like, and kind of rinse and repeat over and over again. Uh, what I really like about Subnautica, it's all underwater. And, uh, you know, I've been playing with my wife, Christine. So it's been really fun to have a partner to kind of bounce ideas off of. And in a lot of these games, it's just really fun to make a little base. We made our little C-Lab 2021 and, you know, we, we're getting the new observation deck and we're getting the Seamoth, which is like a little submarine thing. We have a little diving suit um, and those little those little uh, carrots on the end of the stick are always a lot of fun to kind of, uh, you know, make a little goal for yourself, accomplish it in like 15 minutes and then move on to the next thing. Uh, so outside of games, I've also been uh, really enjoying watching uh, Netflix's third season of Glow. Um, I've mentioned this show pretty much anytime the seasons come up and we were talking about it before and Bobby made an astute point that I felt myself pretty much with every season going in. I'm excited to see it, but like leading up to it, I wasn't like, oh, I can't wait to get home to watch this. It's like, oh, I'll watch it. It'll be good. And then I actually watch the series and it's so much better than I anticipate. And I'm loving this third season. Uh, it has been a lot of fun. I think I'm like halfway through what I also like, you know, bouncing off of kind of these higher end dramas like good omens and the boys off of amazon um glow's only a 30 minute show so it is really nice to be able to digest an episode within a 25 30 minute time frame instead of having these kind of hour long even though you know i didn't figure i, I didn't uh think good omens or the boys was like a slog by any means i was pretty much captivated through uh, both those series it's just a long time you know 50 minutes is a long time to kind of set away for an episode of a show. So I really enjoy just the more bite-sized natures of having like a sitcom that's like 30 minutes. But yeah, I've been thoroughly enjoying that. I definitely recommend if you've never checked out Glow, um, definitely give it a shot. You know, there's three seasons on Netflix. So, you know, if you love to binge shit, there's a lot of content there for you to work through. Um, and it's high quality. I, I really like all the actors and supporting actors. And at this point in season three, I'm pretty much invested in all the characters. That was kind of one of my gripes in the first season was we had a lot of characters that felt a little underdeveloped, a little undercooked. And at this point, you know everyone's kind of personality and how they clash with each other. And the show is still bringing in kind of new elements to kind of, you know, make it interesting still. So I've been really enjoying it. Totally recommend it. Glow. Stefan, what do you got this week? Um, yeah, we mentioned it last week, but I'm just going to talk about it more. Um, Mark says we're in the dregs of summer. Um, I vehemently disagree because it's just a different playing style and no shade at Mark. Mark uh, always keeps an eye out on new things coming. Uh, I find one game that I love, and holy shit, do I put way too much time into it. Um, I'm 27 hours into Fire Emblem's Three Houses right now. Fucking love it. Uh, I told Mark I, I'm about to, I, I just triggered the fourth route scenario. Um, so that's going to be my playthrough variation of the game. Um, so, but that, you know, it makes me want to go back and play one of the other houses and see whatever, like the traditional story will be. Um, that'll be a different experience. But, um, on top of that, I got a, a movie to pitch to y'all. Um, Mark, if you haven't seen it, I feel like you guys would be interested in it. 
Um, it's a PG-13 horror movie uh, called Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Um, I was going to see it with Christine this weekend. We kind of got busy. I mean, you read the book, right? I remember seeing the book as a kid all the time. Um, I, I may the- have. They don't ring a bell the way like they didn't really make a mark with me the way goosebumps did like i was aware of it um but uh the big reason is um i'm hearing one i'm hearing really good reviews about it it's it's kind of generally positive not the most adult horror theme because again it is based on a kid-friendly book series um but that said people said it's really good it feels like an adult goosebumps um, but the biggest reason and why I thought you guys it would be on your radar, if not for the books, is um, the screenplay was written by and uh, who worked and contributed to the movie, and that's uh, Guillermo del Toro. Yep. Um, yeah, visually, if you like, if you know del Toro and if you like him, it's because you like his visual style. I love his practical makeup effects. I love his monster costumes, even in non-traditional like horror horror fare. Like um, one of my favorite foreign films is Pan's Labyrinth. Um, and his costume work is amazing in that. If anyone who's seen it, if you know about the baby eating guy with the eyeball in his hands, like he just has iconic like makeup and, and imagery work. And, you know, from all the trailers I've seen, there's some creepy ass looking things in this, you know, um, like Harold the Scarecrow, you know, there it's the things nightmares are made of yet I just find the way he like brings these things to life. I just find it very visually entertaining. Um, but the reviews have been really positive all around, so um, that's tough with horror movies. Horror movies are usually either really high-end, like an It, or they're really schlocky, money printers, low-reviewed. Um, but to see this is kind of actually on the high-end, um, it has my interest. Mike, what do you got this week? Yes, yeah, so two things for me this week. There's actually a lot, but I'm just going to keep it to two things. Um, one of them, it seems, is a older game for the PS4, but it's a game my uh, girlfriend introduced me to, uh, Anthem. Um, Mark, I'm assuming you, you've heard of that game before? Yeah, I mentioned it on the show. Just like it's, You're just like Bobby now. It's like I mention all these great video games, and then like three weeks later, it's like, you know about this guy? It's like, yeah, talk about him. Was that necessary? I haven't done that shit in God knows how long. I think I do it off the show. Mark, because Mark enjoyed a game that was universally panned. Yeah, like, so the internet hated it. Wait, did people not like Anthem? No. Oh, it, this, it was one of the bombs to be all bombs, and, Mike. And, and Mike, let me guess. You're actually having a good time because newsflash, Stefan, in the rest of the world, the game's actually not that bad. It's actually kind of fun. It, no, the game, I really like that. Stefan didn't escape the wrath there either. Jesus. <laughs> I, I actually really like the game. Um, I've been pretty hooked on it since I started playing it last uh, last Thursday. Um, so... I'm sorry, Mark, for not taking your advice the last time. But you mentioned a lot of good. You, you mentioned a lot of games. You play all the games you you, you recommend. Mike, and it's and this is what I said then because it it one it had a lot of bad press because people just hate EA and, and honestly a lot of it is just like they'll just hate just that company just because of what they've done in the past and not re- necessarily judge this game. The game has its flaws. Like I'm sure you played it at this point. Being in the town isn't always the greatest thing and playing with other people when you're in that town isn't always the greatest because Mike, I don't know if you're playing with other people online, like in a group, but basically every time it's like you do a mission, it's like, okay, I'm going to go to the Taurus or whatever it's called. And it's right. like, I gotta talk, I got to talk to people for 20 minutes. 
and you're both just like kind of talking to people and having these conversations that aren't super interesting. But when you're actually in your javelin and you're flying around and you're battling shit and you're shooting rockets off your shoulders and stuff, the game is very fun. Um, it does it does have some problems in the late game. And Mike, as you put more time into it, you'll probably start noticing like, okay, it, it the first couple hours you play it are very fun and very high. But after a while, it's like, okay, I'm not getting very different weapons. I'm not really progressing in a way that i'm seeing my javelin change in a lot of different ways but it's fun unlocking new javelins it's fun messing around with the different javelins it's fun seeing how they kind of work you know you have a tank one you have the very um magic based one in the storm you have your generic ranger um and you have your kind of adjective yeah i i made i made the mistake of picking the interceptor as my first javelin my first javelin i liked it Quick. i mean it's cool because it's quick and stuff but you you get almost no armor in it no but um, really like the game so far. I'm maybe about ten hours in, um, and I, I've really enjoyed it. But the main thing that I like this week, uh, boys, it's uh, it's our age and the uh, the time that we uh, we grew up in when it came to uh, elementary school and junior high. And you're probably wondering why am I mentioning that? Who can I guess? Well, give it a shot. Rocco's Modern Life. No, damn, that's okay. not it. Is it well, this Seth Rogen uh, R-rated sixth grade movie? No, no, good guess, but that's not it either. So, uh, wait, 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 let Bobby guess. Bobby guess. Why, why, why do you think? Uh, Mike, Bob, Mike what do you think it is? Somebody's doing something. I'm trying to think. I there's got to be a CW show. Nope. I, I, okay, I got nothing. No. All right. So maybe this wasn't as prevalent a thing for my three northern californians um growing up but here in the northeast whenever it was winter the only thing i ever really enjoyed about the winter is that there might be a big blizzard and from a big blizzard comes a snow day right yeah. for example oh yeah we absolutely can't wait, wait. It, might, it might it might not apply to us i don't know i'm assuming not right Mike, you know what California cold is? It's uh, 58 degrees and windy. <laughs> okay, so no, it doesn't apply to you guys. Correct. But anyway, one of my greatest school time memories was the blizzard of 1996, where so much sm- snow fell that I was out of school for a week, and all I did during that week was play Chrono Trigger. It was the greatest week of fifth grade. It sounds great. Anyway, all of that is to say is that kids nowadays oh it's the beginning of the end for them in fort wayne indiana the northwest allen county schools are getting ready for a big change the district is instituting a change where it will replace snow days with e-learning days in the times when there are big blizzards and the kids can't get to school oh that's so smart (laughs) <laughs> this is Mike's thing. He pulls up some news article from like the local Cron 4 news station. It's like, look, there's a new message passing in this state you don't fucking live in. It doesn't apply to you because you're no longer a child. Uh, excuse me. This, my friend, is like cancer. All right. This is the localized spot. It will spread and it will metastasize across the whole nation. All right. It does suck, but it also makes sense at the same time. I, I feel I can feel with you, Mike. That sucks for those kids. You know what, Mike? I'm gonna be the crotchety adult in the room. Uh, you know what? These dumb kids—they need more learning, is what they need. So yeah, more school. We've got too many dum dums right now. <laughs> too many dum dums. Um. All right. Um. 
I got uh, two things, really. I didn't think I realized the second one a few minutes ago, actually. Stefan's going to help me on this one. Because um, I haven't talked about wrestling in a while. Um, and I'm not actually going to talk about TakeOver because that was fine. Whatever. There was, I was going to say, um, there was good wrestling this weekend, and it was not NXT, in my opinion. Okay, so uh, Bray Wyatt. That thing they're doing with him as the Fiend was literally perfect. Um, I can't describe it to anybody who's not. It's too much of an explanation. We'd be here for the next 45 minutes. Um, He's basically the scariest motherfucker on TV, though, because I think I'm going to have nightmares after I saw that shit. So just real quickly, go on YouTube and look for Bray Wyatt entrance. And if you don't get the one from the WWE, you're probably doing yourself a favor because they cut out all the shots of the severed head lantern. Okay? Which was, Stefan, some of the creepiest shit I've ever seen in my life. Okay? I was uncomfortable. Um, they just did a really good job with it. I People were impressed they didn't fuck it up. I think that's the best assessment I could give of it. Steph, you got any thoughts on it? <laughs> I mean, yeah, the intro was amazing. Everything they've set up with him. I don't know the name. I just remember that when he came up with this character, the Fiend, that they had like within the horror community, he's like whoever made that mask for Bray is super renowned within the horror community as like a makeup and effects artist. Like they went deep and recruited someone to kind of build this whole image and everything. It was not a half-baked idea. Um, and yeah, it just shows the potential of what happens when you actually like commit to storytelling and what you can achieve. Um, Long-term storytelling. They've been working on this for like four months. Yeah, too. <laughs> they, they created like a genuine, like scary monster in the world of a pro wrestling universe. And that's awesome. Um, I mean, even at the end of this whole sequence from Bray's intro through the match to how like Bray left the ring and like how that whole segment ended, like when the lights finally came back on the whole Toronto crowd was just chanting. Uh, that was awesome. Like, yeah, I'll get also this stuff. Um, Cause type of pro wrestling is only as good as your opponent. And, if Finn had seen Bray Wyatt have that entrance and just started pointing and laughing, I mean, he's a professional. He's not going to do that. But that would have been dead in the water. He sold that shit like he was looking at a fucking, like a fucking, like, monster. Like, he sold it like he was terrified. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, I mean, when he finally got up from, like, the pinning sequence, he was, like, gasping for air. Like, someone had, like, sucked his soul out. Like, yeah, you, you have to have a great dance partner in pro wrestling that, you know, it can never be one-sided. But, um... It was incredible. Like I've, you know, I, I've watched very little of pro wrestling. I kind of told you, you know, even all this AEW buzz, it lost a lot of shine for me after the last event. Um, like I, I've very been tertiarily following. But one of the things that I've always kind of kept watching were these Firefly Funhouses that Bray Wyatt's been doing, um, and every single thing has been gold. It, it's awesome. It like if you anyone who ever used to watch like Wonder Shows in or like uh, Hug Me I'm Scared like videos like this captures so much of like the internet generation in a weird way it's tough to it's tough to explain it's like if you know it you know it but um i've loved this bray wyatt stuff and you know we were playing that hypothetical game based on the mass man pad podcast of like if you had to start a brand new company and you were to choose five people to do it with um you know to build into the next 10 years I couldn't believe he didn't make their cut and I, he will he didn't come to immediate mind when i was talking to you but like i knew Bray Wyatt. This guy is a fucking wrestling genius. Oh yeah, they took they spent the last five years trying to 
ruin a really awesome character, and he saved himself. Because when he showed up, it was just as awesome. And they, you can't have a monster. You, your monster heel can't be a monster heel if he doesn't if he loses all the time. Fundamentally, you gotta win some. Anyway, um, that was awesome. So really, honestly, check it out. Look up Bray Wyatt entrance. I think it was like at the top of Reddit at the end of that event. Um, and SummerSlam wasn't a bad show. The parts I saw either. So if you're interested in that shit, um, other thing, I wasn't on the show last week. I was in Vienna. Um, went there because it was the one year anniversary of my grandfather's passing, which I believe, I mean, if you're a regular to this podcast, it wasn't like it was a monumental moment in the show, but I was actually missed his funeral last year because my flight got canceled while I was sitting on the plane on the runway. So that happened. So, um, and we were very, very close to me and my grandfather. So it was, um, very important for me to go there and we had a thing for him at the cemetery, and we had a big dinner for all of his friends. We had like 80 people there. It was really a great um, great celebration for him. And um, I have a very bad opinion of Vienna. Um, it's not really fair to the city, quite frankly. But, you know, grandparents live there. They're both dead. It's not ideal. But I was able to enjoy their fine cuisine. And I ate schnitzel seven times in five days. Um, only went between pork or schwein. Uh, schwein and uh, chicken schnitzel, no veal, um, but I ate that shit all the time when I was there, and I fucking love it. Um, so learn how to make schnitzel, by the way. It's really easy. <laughs> it's a meat some... pancake. Yeah, you pound the meat really thin. Do they make, flour. Do they make something that's like a meat waffle, Bobby? <laughs> then I'll be more on board. I mean, it'd be kind of hard to shape it like that, but really, just thin patty of whatever meat, not beef, but thin patty, flour, egg, breadcrumbs, oil. And it cooks really fast because it's thin. It's great. Um, I also ate a uh, little uh, Kaiser. I think what's the name of the fucking thing? I always say it wrong. I want to. I want to get it kind of right. Kaiser Craner. It's a sausage. It's in Vienna. It's Vienna's Vienna street food. It's a sausage with cheese inside of it. It's great. Mark would be a fan. Quite frankly, I think you everything I said so far. Mark, how, how do I consume it on the street? Am I holding uh, a, a, a weenie in my hand? They'll put it in a bun for you. Okay. Yeah, they put it in a bun All for right. you. I'm on board. Uh, Mark, actually, I'm thinking about it. Mark would enjoy the Vienna cuisine. It's just, yeah, you know, it's, it's really it. And God, I didn't know uh, nougat flavored ice cream was a thing. Holy shit. I didn't think nougat good. had a flavor. It was, I didn't think so either, but I ate this thing. nougat chew, and I would have been like, yeah, that makes sense. It <laughs> tasted a lot like Nutella, quite frankly. Right. And it was really good. Um but yeah, um, you should visit Vienna. It's a beautiful city with a lot of stuff. I just, for personal reasons, have issues, quite frankly, at this point, going there. And great food. So um, I'm back now. Um, guys, honestly, did wonderful. I woke up first thing at like 7, 8 a.m. there and listened to the show, which was maybe, I think, like an hour or so after Mike had posted it. Um, and uh, I fucking loved it. I didn't, you know, they did it. It was all them. So they killed it. Yeah, Mike did a great job. I was job. really, really proud of the guys. Um, but I'm back now, so you got to deal with my ass again. So sorry. Um, we are going to be back next week. We're going to talk about if we got a new champion, um, at heavyweight, the division people care about, the actual main event and Stefan's main event. Um, we're going to see if Nate Diaz and Anthony Pettis somehow lived up to my expectations, which actually I might, as long as Nate shows up, I'm pretty happy. Um, as long as the fight happens, uh, we're going to see who won the pose off between Romero and Costa. Uh, if Paulo Costa wins that fight, guys, man's right there for a title shot. 
And we're going to see if Corey Sandhagen makes Mike look like a smart man. Um, the next fight card is in two weeks against uh, what's going to be Jessica Andrade against Weili Zhang in China. Um, so logic would dictate that if they're on top of their shit, Bellator has something for us to talk about. Which I'm going to tell you right now, the answer is no. Mitrione versus Karitanov too. I'm going to say it again. No. It's something. <laughs> it's you know what you, I know, you know the that name fight of... we all watched. Mitrione and Katana. I, I love Sergey. I you, you could have told me if they fought. You could, you could put a five next to it, and I'd say, oh really? They fought five times, four other times. Okay, five on my question, but three, four, I would have been with you there, no problem. Um, this now reminds me, Mark. If we're gonna go to that Bellator event, should probably do something about yeah, it. Make some moves. Make some moves. Um. All right, boys and girls, thank you all for listening. We really, really appreciate it. Uh, these boys got to eat dinner. Some of us are still working. Um, but we'll be back next week to talk about the results of this fight card. Um, we're going to see if Mike reads any other local newspapers. Maybe an entire funny laws section of the podcast. There might be a PA meeting next week in uh, Montana we need to learn about. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I keep my ears to the streets for you guys so you guys don't have to. Appreciate it because God knows thank I want it. <laughs> um but that's it thank you all for listening uh see you guys next week i was dr law that was kid presentable that was dj mark and that was lavender gooms peace out see ya cheers, cheers.